Well, hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. I really hope you had an amazing uh, couple of days, maybe at our Christmas Eve services, maybe some time with family and friends. Uh, my prayer is that uh, you have been inspired and you have been connecting with Jesus over the past few days. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Anytime. Well, hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope and pray that you have had a great couple of days. I, I really hope you were able to join us for one of our Christmas Eve services. Uh, I also pray that you had some good time with some family or some friends and really focusing your attention on Jesus the past few days. Um, today, we're going to continue on in our Humankind series, and we're looking at the interactions or conversations that Jesus had with the humanity that was around him. And our hope in this series or our desire in this series is that we would be really, really clear on who Jesus really is. And that because of that, because we see Jesus more clearly, that our trust in him or our faith in him would grow or increase as a result of that. So um, as I begin today, let me just tell you, this message is going to be just a little bit shorter than normal because I know you're watching at home and I want to keep this uh, efficient and short for you. But I think the impact is going to be really significant. Uh, see, today I want to dive into a story that might be familiar to some of you. In fact, if you grew up around the church or you grew up in church, you're going to probably know this story. Um, some of you kids that are watching maybe right now with your parents, um, you're going to know this one as well. And one of the challenges that we have with things that are familiar is that because of our familiarity, we often miss the details that point to what's really going on in a particular story. We've sort of heard it before, and so we just say, you know, yada, yada, and we just kind of move on. We read it really quickly, and we assume we know what's happening here. But my hope is that after today, you're going to see this story from an entirely new perspective and that this will challenge some things about how you even read the Bible moving forward. Um, we're going to look at the story today of Zacchaeus. And, uh, and I have a feeling that you're going to see this wee little man, as he's referred to, very differently when we're done. Uh, so if you want to read along, if you have a Bible with you there at home, you can open up to Luke chapter 19. Now, as we start to read, I want to give you some important detail or context to this story. This story that we're looking at takes place a little bit later in the life, the public ministry of Jesus. Uh, his popularity has risen, um, but also so has the controversy around him. He's receiving more critique from the crowds and the religious leaders at this period in his life. And the crowds that are gathering around him now tend to be a mixed bag of characters from dedicated disciples to scrutinizing legalistic people. They are all in the crowd now. There's outsiders and insiders now gathering around him. And Jesus is traveling from city to city in a relatively small region. And he's going to towns that he's visited before. So I want to bring this a little closer to home. Uh, if you live in the Portland metro area, let me explain it this way. Jesus moving around this region would be like us today um, visiting cities, like starting in Newburgh and then maybe walking and traveling to Sherwood and then maybe hanging out there a few days and then traveling on to West Lynn and then from West Lynn up to Beaverton. That's sort of the regional picture that we're getting from Jesus. This is not a huge region. And there are certain cities that Jesus frequented more than others, like the city of Jericho. 
Uh, if there was such a thing as a wealthy uh, resort community during Jesus's day, it would have been the city of Jericho. It was known for being a place where people with money, people with means lived. It was also known as the Palm City. They had a really beautiful climate in the winter. They had fresh springs of water. And so this was a place that people of means would, would hang out and they would live in this particular city. Um, that's where this story begins. It begins in the city of Jericho. So I want to dive in, begin reading in Luke chapter 19, verse one. It says this, it says, he entered Jericho and was passing through and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. So here's our introduction to Zacchaeus. He's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector, and he's extremely wealthy. And I just want to explain that in these Jewish days during this time period, this would have been a black eye on his reputation. Uh, first of all, many of you know this, that the tax collectors were despised. They're much like the IRS in our country today. Um, they were viewed as sellouts to, to the Jewish people that they'd sold out to the Roman government. They were considered to be corrupt. They were considered to be greedy. And it was very personal to them. Tax collectors weren't strangers. They were neighbors who had begun working for the Romans. And so they took this very personally. So he's not liked because of this. And he's despised because of his wealth. Um, the boot of the empire is on the throat of these Jewish people and they are struggling to make ends meet. And the majority of these people are living in poverty or they're living at least in less than ideal conditions. And this guy has money. So people are jealous and people judge because that's what people do. And so that's what they're doing of Zacchaeus. They judge him. So that's who he is. But we're about to learn a little bit more about him than his rumored reputation. Look at verse three with me. He says, it says, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. Now, I need to point out a few really important details to this. First of all, the structure of this first sentence that says he was seeking to see who Jesus was in the original Greek language, it can be interpreted a number of different ways, including that he was just simply trying to see if this was Jesus. Now, this makes way more sense as we begin to read the next sentence. The point is that there's this crowd and he's trying to see if Jesus is at the center of this crowd. So being small in stature, I want you to just picture this, this wealthy man runs ahead of the crowd and he finds a tree and he climbs up the tree and he waits for the crowd and Jesus eventually to come along underneath him. Now, first of all, I want you to really understand how undignified this would be. Um, for a man like this, a man of his stature, a man of his wealth, a man even of his age, to run, first of all, would have been sort of outlandish, but much less to run to a tree and then climb in that tree. To do that in this culture would be to completely give up your dignity. There is no wealthy, influential, mature man who would have done this. And so essentially, when I read this, he's acting like a teenage girl at a Justin Bieber concert, if you will. He's caught up, he's lost his dignity, but the question is why? Why would this man do this? Well, what I'm about to present to you, uh, and to those of you who have heard this story before, may be a complete surprise, and it will explain why he did this. He runs, he climbs the tree, and then we read this in verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, 
Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him. Now, you church people, I want you to buckle up for just a second here because you have been given an oversimplified Sunday school version of this story that leaves out critical details and paints uh, uh, this as a random chance encounter. But this is far more complex and it's anything but random. Was Zacchaeus a fan of Jesus or was Zacchaeus a friend of Jesus? Here's what's fascinating. Luke records Jesus walking up and calling Zacchaeus by his name. That is completely unique. In nearly every single random encounter of Jesus, the people are simply described by either their ailment or their status. There's the blind beggar, there's the rich young ruler, there's the teacher of the law, etc., etc. We don't ever have Jesus calling these people by their names. The only people that Jesus calls by name are his disciples and his friends. So he walks up to the tree and he sees somebody in the tree and he recognizes him. Zacchaeus, hey, come down. I'm staying at your place today. This was a known relationship. When Jesus calls him by name, it means he knew him. They knew each other ahead of time. And so Zacchaeus comes down, he hurries down, he receives him joyfully, the scriptures say. And this is not some sort of formal description of a business transaction. This means that Zacchaeus would have likely embraced him, would have kissed him as was the custom, would have taken him on the arm and began to take him towards his home. So if you look closely at this story, what it really appears to be is two friends who were reuniting. So Zacchaeus had heard this ruckus. He saw the crowd. He saw what was going on. And he thinks, oh, is that Jesus? Is that my friend Jesus who's coming? And when he goes there, he can't see because of his stature. Which, by the way, now when he runs and climbs this tree, it makes sense of why he would lose his dignity because he already has this relationship with Jesus. He can't see because of the crowd, so he climbs the tree because he wants to see his friend. And then Jesus sees his friend Zacchaeus and says, hey, I'm here to visit you. I want to stay at your house. Which also makes all the sense in the world because Jesus had been to Jericho previously. And he's not inviting himself randomly to someone's house. He didn't just pick this guy out and say, I think I want to stay at your house today. He's actually say, staying with a friend. I came here. I need you to get me to your house. Really is what he's saying. I want you to take me. Let's hurry. Let's go. I want to stay at your house tonight. That is completely within the line of the custom of the day for him to do this. So now this story starts to take on a completely different note. And it helps us understand what happens next. So they embrace they begin to make their way to his home, but the crowd is still there. You have to remember that this is happening amidst this crowd and they know who Zacchaeus is as well. And so then we come to verse seven. Speaking of the crowd, it says, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So now we get a taste of who's in the crowd. The crowd grumbles, the crowd judges, the crowd critiques. Look at this Jesus. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, what they're doing when they do this is that they are defining or identifying who is in and who is out in their estimation. Zacchaeus is a sinner, meaning he doesn't follow the law the way that we follow the law. He doesn't live like a good Hebrew the way that we live like a good Hebrew. He's not as devout as we are. 
He doesn't measure up to the standards of this moralistic crowd. That's essentially what's being stated. And according to their religiosity, Jesus is tarnishing his own reputation by being seen with such a person. So when the crowd critiques Jesus, they simultaneously are condemning Zacchaeus in front of his friend Jesus. And that provokes a response. Verse 8 Right there in this moment, it says, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. What, what, what Luke is telling us here is that Zacchaeus hears this, right? He hears the people grumbling. He hears him saying this. And literally, when it says Zacchaeus stood, it means he stopped. As they were walking, Zacchaeus stopped and he looked at Jesus and he wants to set the record straight. And when he says this, he's not talking about the future. Some English translations make it sound like Zacchaeus is talking about how he'll behave in the days ahead or what he's going to do. He tells Jesus what he already does in the present. It's what he practices regularly. So for those of you that are language buffs uh, in the Greek language, this sentence that he speaks is in the present active indicative. It means this is who I am. This is how I behave. This is what I already am doing. And so he's explaining himself. Jesus, this is who I am. You know me to be this person. And what does he do? What does he explain? Well, it's a whole lot more than what the folks in the crowd are doing. At least that's what I'm guessing, because he says he gives 50% of his money to the poor. The Jewish law required 10%. Zacchaeus says, I already give half of what I make to the poor. This man knew that he could give 10% without putting a crimp in his lifestyle. And so he gave five times that, much more than anybody else. And as far as restitution is concerned, the Jewish law required that if you did somebody wrong financially, that you would pay back the amount plus one-fifth or 20%. The man says, when that has ever happened, I paid people back four times what I owed them. So the, the law required, if you, if you cheated somebody out of $100, you paid them back 120 but if that happened to Zacchaeus, he gave the person who he took $100 from $400. He does everything in his power to walk with integrity and treat people well. So then, while they're still standing there with the crowd still listening, Jesus then responds to Zacchaeus. But you can tell by the way Jesus structures this sentence, he's not just talking to Zacchaeus, he's making this known to the crowd. He's actually making a statement to them about Zacchaeus while he turns to him. Listen to verse nine. It says, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I really hope you see how scandalous this is and what Jesus just did here. Salvation, deliverance, wholeness has come to this family because as Jesus states it, he also is a son of Abraham. Just like those of you in the crowd, he is also a son of Abraham. So in this moment, Jesus is welcoming someone into the kingdom that the crowd thought would never be included. In fact, they were going to exclude Jesus just for being with him. And so in this moment, Jesus sends a dramatic message. He makes it painstakingly clear what matters and what doesn't matter, who's in or, or who gets it or whose life is being lived in the kingdom. And it turns out that Zacchaeus 
with his controversial occupation and bad reputation was actually living out the way of Jesus. He was more in the kingdom than the gatekeepers could have ever imagined. So, so this story, when I look at it, this is far more disruptive than some little tidy salvation story that we sing about in Sunday school. Jesus in this moment is redrawing the lines of who's in and who's out, of who gets the kingdom and who's missing out on the kingdom. So I have this friend, and she's never really volunteered in church, as far as I know. Um, she doesn't get too involved in what happens in church world. But over the last 25 years, she and her husband have fostered over a hundred children, most of them with severe disabilities. I think that's the way of Jesus. Uh, I, I have another friend. He's in upper management at a big privately held bank. And he's a big personality and he tends to be the life of the party. And usually there's a party that follows him, if you know what I mean. And uh, in fact, if you're at a restaurant ever with him and he recognizes you or sees you, he'll secretly pay your tab for you. He's that kind of person. But behind the scenes, he's what I call a Micah 6-8 guy. He, he loves justice and he does mercy. He treats people well and he walks humbly, oftentimes quietly with God. And most people wouldn't know that. Or I've got another friend who, when you meet him, he appears to be homeless. And most people that meet him think that he is. He doesn't have very much. And what he does have, he actually gives away generously. And I'm yet to meet a person who's met him that doesn't walk away blessed by him. See, I, I've met a lot of people through the years who are far more in than even they have ever imagined which leaves us with a couple of challenges. A couple of challenges depending on where you are or find yourself as a character in this story. I wanna have just an honest conversation um, with those of you who may be watching and you're genuinely interested in Jesus, but you're also genuinely turned off by Christians. And I just wanna say, I get it. Uh, it turns out, turn, turns out that the same moralistic religious people that were keeping Zacchaeus from Jesus are the same people who turn folks off today. Um, in fact, I know people that conclude that Christianity can't be true because of what it produces. Because if these are the kinds of people that Christianity produces, well, then it can't be actually good or true. And I understand how they get to that conclusion. But I want to just challenge you. If that's you, I want you to consider what Zacchaeus does. Zacchaeus attempts to see Jesus apart from the crowd. And you have to do the same. You have to find out who Jesus is in spite of your frustration with some of his followers or with certain church leaders. So let me just remind you of this. If that's you and you find yourself in that position, let me remind you that the only time that Jesus ever thunders judgment down on anybody, it's Bible teachers and religious people. That's who Jesus gets angry with. Every place that Jesus has the choice, he tells the outsider that he wants to go to their house. He wants to eat with them. So Jesus, it turns out, was just as turned off by self-righteous people as you may be. So don't let those same people that frustrated him keep you from getting to know him. And then for those of us um, who maybe we say we're Jesus people, I think the real test to know if we're Jesus people would be to ask the Zacchaeus people in our life about us. What would they say about how or if we live like Jesus? Would those who feel or think like they're on the outside, 
how would they say about the way we treat them as so-called insiders? See, I, I think we might all be surprised by the people Jesus would choose to be with or the places he would choose to hang out if he could walk around us today. And then again, I think there's a lot of us that would be pleasantly surprised. Zacchaeus reveals the heart of Jesus, reveals the heart of the kingdom, and completely changes the categories and who we understand Jesus to be. So with that, may you insiders learn to love outsiders the way that Jesus did. And may those of you who feel like outsiders realize you are way more in than you ever imagined. Have an amazing rest of your day. We love you.